Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Face the Heel podcast, episode number one. My name is Paul. I'm one of the hosts, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Ralph. How are we doing, Ralph? I'm doing shit. Did you see Super Show? All right, so right off the bat, 10 seconds into episode one, we already have our first no-no word. I, I, like, <laughs> what else do you want? Like, if anyone saw Super Showdown and doesn't think the exact same thing, uh, they didn't watch Super Showdown. We're, we're going to jump head first yeah. right into this, I guess, because it, it's great that we jump right into this because any wrestling fan, if they had the day off or just wanted to torture themselves for a little bit, they watched Thursday's episode of Super Showdown, which notice this time, though, they didn't build it as bigger or better than WrestleMania. I think they just kind of treat it as, hey, we're going to Saudi Arabia and there's going to be some matches. I so really today. feel the first couple times they did it, it was to pander to them. Like, they were doing yeah. a, the greatest Royal Rumble, yep. this thing. Like, they were really trying to catch Saudi Arabia up for not having anything wrestling for the past 30 years. Other than, you know, probably super old episodes. Well, opening match, boy, did they pander. Uh, we won't spoil the ending for a few seconds. Because we had the uh, gauntlet match for the Tariq, Tarak, uh, Mountain, something. Two-play gauntlet match, I believe it was called. Yes. For... A piece of the aggro crag. For the aggro crag. It's funny. We were, maybe we shouldn't admit this on the podcast, but we were actually watching this match out of Denny's with <laughs> on a cell phone with the sound off as we we're eating pancakes and hash browns. Uh, and I couldn't have imagined a better way to actually just watch that match because who cares? Who yeah. cares? That <laughs> one was a little rough. Uh, it started off okay with, you know, Bobby Lashley and our truth And then I felt it just kept going downhill. They were having our truth win in just mediocre that was, ways. That was the good part. That was the only good thing about that gauntlet match. Like, is when you said to me, you said to me straight up, and I think a lot of other people agree, they're like, oh, our truth's just there as fodder, and Bobby Lashley and AJ or something's going to go on. And we saw our truth get the, no, get I, the kick. I immediately knew the top three people that were going to be irrelevant in that match were Bobby Lashley, our truth, and Eric Rowan. But then they started off with those two. Bobby Lashley, you know, beat the crap out of R-Truth a bunch, like threw him in the ring, do all these things. Yep. So then when Andrade came out, I assumed, all right, they're building up to make Andrade probably look good. He'll lose to AJ and then something... Forgot Andrade was in it. Yeah, I still everyone... think he's suspended. Yeah, everyone <laughs> still thinks he's suspended. I thought it was going to build into something. Instead, they then have Andrade come out, get cheap rolled up by R-Truth, lose. Then Eric Rowan comes out and decides to, I'm just going to hit R-Truth with these stairs and not win this match like it just was mediocre to me into a bunch of dancing aj it was a little much yep i, I like doing a couple moves you know like rubbing in r-true's face like oh i could do it too sure but yeah you know after like five straight minutes of aj doing, it was like, a, one kick i think it, it was a solid like six or seven spots worth of yep. doing it and then dancing and it was yep. like lot. it wasn't bad it was just the dancing wasn't bad. It, it was just fun, but it just... started to get too much. You were just like, all right, we're on to the 10th. Okay, he's now doing, like, the Cabbage Patch. This is, like, his 20th move. But after those 900 dance moves, we know why AJ was kind of overselling and being arrogant because uh, cut scene to uh, the Good Brothers beating the shit out of Rey Rey Mysterio. Mysterio. Who replaced Rusev <laughs> for, you know, probably actual behind-the-scenes stuff, so... That's not the first time. The you know, last Super Showdown, Rusev had issues, so they cut him, put him back, cut him, put him back. So this time they cut him, put Rey Mysterio, and instead, Rey got whooped by the Good Brothers. And 
then the good brothers get whooped. And we see the boots. We see and boots. And the coat. And some leather. None other than The Undertaker! And that's kind of the yeah. reaction everybody had. We, well, everyone in the stadium had a good reaction because they were seeing The Undertaker for the first time ever. Sure. Whereas everyone, I think, at home was going, why? Why was The Undertaker? No, that's not true. There? They just did Goldberg and Undertaker as the main event last April. Yeah. So they've seen the it, Saudi Arabia oh, has fair. seen the Undertaker the plenty of times. They probably just wanted him again, and I think it was supposed to be a shock factor because no one knew he was there until WWE tweeted about it a couple hours prior. Which I thought that was dumb. I, if you got a second, I, I do. I, I do want to rant on that really fast. Rant away. The only thing nowadays that the Undertaker has of value, and I mean this with the utmost respect, because you know Undertaker is probably my favorite wrestler of all time. He's a lot of people's favorite wrestlers of all time. He's legendary. The only thing Undertaker has that gets people excited when he's there is the bell and him just being there. When you announce on Twitter that Mark Calloway, because he was he was Mark Calloway. He he didn't have his wig on. He had a beanie on. He was just he was just Mark Calloway walking through customs or whatever at the yep. airport. Why on earth? I know why they did it, and you know why they did it. They announced that because they anticipated likely that the viewership for Super Showdown was going to be terrible. And, hey, if we announce that, ooh, The Undertaker's spotted here, me, people are going to tune in. But, my God, this the surprising the surprise factor of having the bell ring out of nowhere and The Undertaker showing up, that still holds value to any wrestling fan. And to just, like, heard the, you heard the rumors of AJ and Undertaker at Mania... We saw the tweet of, hey, uh, Undertaker was spotted here from WWE's main Twitter. We knew he was going to show up probably at this moment match. And lo and behold, he did. The only issue I have is, like, WWE is also trying to play, like, paparazzi almost. Like, oh, look who was spotted <laughs> here. It's like, it just feels awkward. Like, they're double dipping. Like, they're creating the storyline and then trying to be like, oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, my God, look at this thing. It's like, really? Like... Like, if you get some random person to tweet it and then, like, uh, somehow get it to go viral, sure. But, like, when WWE <laughs> tweets stuff, I'm just like, they'll be like, can anyone, like, like we were talking about, I showed you, they shared a video of the Fiend kicking out of the spear. And then everyone was just, like, in the comments trashing on him. It was just, like, them promoting, oh, can he ever be stopped? And they had to post a 20-second clip because it was a two-minute match. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty. When he was Mr. Exclusive, and he was just, he, he was reporting on the boring story, and he made, because he had God's powers, he, he made the crazy stuff happen, yeah. and then just reported on it as it happened. Exactly, it's kind of like, like, that's what I feel with WWE is doing, and it's just like... Some, WWE is their own Mr. Exclusive. Like, sometimes, you know, sure, they might have, like, a good point here and there, but then other times, like, they tweeted that out, it was like, why? You could have just saved the bell ring, like, mm. that would, I think, made it, like, once everyone saw Undertaker was there, it was like, well... He's not there to watch the show, because why the hell would he fly to Saudi Arabia to watch that show when he could just watch it at home? So obviously he's now going to be involved, so just don't share it. Yeah. Point is, Undertaker didn't even take off his hat and coat and chokeslammed AJ and won Literally the one move. One AJ, move. AJ, one move. Won the aggro crack. The, the guy who, you know, took Brock Lesnar to the limit, took John Cena down, like all these people he's beat, takes one little choke slam. And like he sold it good, you know, flailed his arms. He did, but and then also he was just super showing it. Like after uh, 
beat our truth. He was like, ring the bell. Like he's just going on about it, like saying that over and over, like saying if Rey Mysterio doesn't come out, I win. And he just kept saying, ring the bell over and over. And I was like, oh, well, we're going to hear a bell ring. Is You know, AJ does what he can. He's hmm. phenomenal. He really is. He's one of my all-time favorites. And he's probably going to hard carry Undertaker at WrestleMania. And lose. He's for sure <laughs> taking it out. If he doesn't, I will I will go, like, run a lap around this whole place. Like, I will freak out if they somehow give AJ a win over the Undertaker. Well, we'll definitely have to see. Um that's pretty much all that happened in that match. Undertaker wins the trophy. Uh, next match, I'm more Morrison and the Miz versus the New Day. Yep, for the tag titles. But it was an alright match. It was fine. Uh, it had some good stuff. The, like The only thing I want to talk about, the Kofi bump that he took going over the top rope, landing, front flip landed on his back. Yeah, I'm almost curious if he was like trying, like maybe he didn't roll enough. Like he was like trying to get there and just accidentally... It's like when you go to jump into a pool and you're trying to, like, cannonball, but instead you backflop and just ruin yourself. Listen, either way, The Miz moved out of the way, and Kofi took that shit hard. Even right The Miz. You can see The Miz look at him, and they're, like, kind of the surprise. Like, he's trying not to be, like, surprised and be like, ah, yeah, I did it. But even The Miz was like, ooh. Like, I yeah. think he even wanted to be like, dude, you okay? Um, uh, but I got to go win these tag titles. I'll check on you after the match. Yeah, it was a decent match. Uh, John Morrison and The Miz win the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Uh, I know you're happy with that. I am. I've loved those dudes since the beginning. I didn't like John Morrison and Eminem. They they did great matches. I'll give them that. But I just found their personas very annoying. Like them and Melina. This, it was always... Uh. But then when they get the dirt sheet going, I thought John and Miz were phenomenal. And then John left WWE went to go do other things and i think he's really coming to his own he's phenomenal in the ring maybe not the greatest on the mic uh, i will say that i still love him but the miz like those two together i think is perfect like john will do all the flashy insane stuff in the ring and miz will do like his typical moves that like his or stereotypical like the knockoff yes kicks and the running across the ring with the knees like he'll do stuff occasionally uh, but then he'll just be the one cutting the promos yeah, and we'll see how that develops as we go forward because uh, it'll probably set up a feud for WrestleMania or something like one will backstab probably. the other. But I'm hoping that's not the case. I would like them to stay together. I think they're good, even if like they don't keep the titles for long. Like keeping them as a tag team, just no one on SmackDown is that like heel other than Baron Corbin. Like you have AJ and the Good Brothers on Raw. You have Monday Night Messiah and his disciples. You just have all these like heel people. On SmackDown, you really just have Baron Corbin, and now The Miz yeah. after the whole he went heel thing. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Once we get to SmackDown, we can kind of report on something that already happened in their first match back. But moving on to what the next match was, um, Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo. Uh, again, I love both these guys. I love Angel Garza. I love Carrillo. I think they're fantastic in-ring performers. Garza, man, he just has it. He has that it factor. I, I feel the same way about those two as almost like John and Miz. Like, uh, Garza, I think, is great on the mic and great in the ring like The Miz, whereas Carrillo is great in the ring like Morrison, but his promos are so-so. And I just feel like he's, like, a little lackluster that when his present like, he's there, I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's Umberto. Okay. Whereas, like, Garza shows up, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what he's going to do next because he cuts great promos he does great matches like i just i love angel garza i think he will definitely have a long career as long as 
nothing dumb happens. Like, we all know that they're very good at uh, just kind of squashing talent, yeah. even when they have, like, all the momentum in the world. So, I think Garza has potential. They might do some weird... I don't want to say faction or tag team, because they're not going to do that, but, like, some weird, like, management thing with um, him and Andrade and Selena. Like, what uh, when Brock and CM Punk were both under Paul Heyman. Like, right. Zed Coulter with Jack Swagger and Cesaro. Like, yep. sooner or later, they'll probably just dissolve for some reason, but I think that's what they're leaning towards with those people. I mean, for now, they're putting on fantastic matches. And like I said, I could watch Carrillo and Garza and Andrade go at it nonstop. Every Raw, every SmackDown, every NXT, every... I don't care. As long as they're wrestling, I'll watch. Yeah, but I, the issue I have is what they did with Andrade and Ray. They literally fought for, like, eight weeks in a row. After a couple times, it's just the same match. Not to me. Yeah, I love that match, like, though. I'll take that same match over and over again. Yeah, but That's it, how good it, it they starts, are. It slowly starts losing its wow factor. Like, okay, I just watched Rey Mysterio do the well, same, like, flip or... Well, sure. Of course same I'm... with Andrade. Of like, course I'm, like, exaggerating. Yeah, I don't want to watch it literally every single... No, but for right know, now, but... for some of the best things going on Raw, in terms of, like, in-ring performing and wrestling, Garza and, and Carrillo are, are top five right now. I just, I can't get enough of those guys. I think I could agree with Angel. I don't think I would agree with Carrillo. I think he's maybe top 10. I just, I, I don't oh. think he has enough pizzazz. Wait, you're just, you're biased on his, his promo and his looks and his literal no pop every time his music hits. Wait. Is that being biased or is that just agreeing with the people? Well, if you ignore all that and just watch what he can do in the ring and just say like that was Seth Rollins doing that instead, like, and Seth Rollins was face a year ago. Place it, Raw would be the best thing going. And even then, but at least, like, Seth could cut a promo. He could, like, engage with the people. Cuts good promos on Twitter, too. Uh, a couple <laughs> of people <laughs> cut some real good promos on Twitter. Um, So, Garza won the match clean. Moving on to... Who was the next match? Was it Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy? Uh, the next match was for the other tag team titles for the Raw. Yeah, with... who cares? This match sucked. Again, let me ask you this. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Do you care about tag team wrestling? Because yes. I don't. Yeah, and I Why? think you're no, wrong. No. With a match like this, which you've said to me hundreds of times, a team that was forced together to, and now they're Raw Tag Team Champions going up against the Street Profits that were just thrown into this match for Super Showdown. Who cares? Why would I get excited about tag team wrestling when this is what I watch? Well, that's the issue. I think it's just the booking. Like, look at... It's happening on both Raw and NXT. They're putting these two random people together and then just giving them the title. But NXT struck gold. Ah! Uh, I think... The Broserweights, they struck gold. When we talk about NXT later on, I, I think that is going to be an interesting discussion. Because I love the Broserweights. I don't know if I want... No, I don't, I don't know if think I want, they should have the title. I don't know if I want to talk to you about the broser weights then because the i still think is, nxt should have it podcast is over before it even started i, I really think <laughs> i think the undisputed era or the uh young grizzled veterans should be the tag team champions right now i don't think it should be the broser weights. i will save that conversation for whereas later murphy and seth rollins it should have gone to aop um why have a tag team in your faction and not give them did we establish that they're not even really a faction they don't have a name they you need, don't a need a name. Yes, they can't just be the Messiah, Monday Night Messiah and his three followers. No, no, it's the Mas Monday Night Messiah and the disciples. It's like that doesn't no Jonesy and the Pussycats. It that's works. Like, that's like a bad like 
seventies rock band, indie rock band. Yeah. Have you seen <laughs> Seth Rollins look sometimes? Here's the thing, uh, everyone listening. Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy retained. Match was terrible. Who cares? It advanced nothing. Move on. Um, what was next? Monsoor and Dolph Ziggler. Monsoor, the hometown I, hero. I lo- yeah, we knew what was going to happen. Um, we all knew Monsoor was getting that W. Even if we knew he was going to get it, but the minute they said that Dolph Ziggler is going to be his opponent, it couldn't have been more clear that Dolph was just going to take another huge L. Um, I don't have a problem with Monsoor. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's a great wrestler. He, I feel his promos are he's trying to pander to the like his hometown too hard. Like well, I he do has it for to. you. Yeah, I understand that because they're in Saudi yeah. Arabia, so it yeah. makes sense. I just I would love to see him on Raw or SmackDown and really see what he can do. Was it? He's still with NXT, right? He just hasn't. Had I believe he's yeah. He's still technically with NXT. It just he doesn't do well anything. Did you see his commentary? Yeah, his commentary is great. His commentary at NXT uh, Takeover Portland was awesome. I would be okay with similar what they did with Joe when he was injured and they had him on the commentary like for the pre. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Monster kickshot. was even a little better. I man, right off the bat, some people when they just like. They just get jump-started right into this new role that we're not used to seeing them in, and they can just, like, take off and run with it like Monsoor did. Dude's a natural. Well, I think a lot Dude's of people, it. similar to, like, Corey Graves, they they actually practice. Like, a lot of times, like, when Corey Graves had to retire because yeah, of his injury, that's Triple fair. H was like, dude, if you want to stay with the company, pretty much the only thing we have for you is commentary. Talking. And dude, Corey Graves was like, yeah, I want to be part of this company. So, And he put so much effort. He watched old yeah, shows. Fair. He, like commentated with them and like learned everything and then i honestly think Corey graves and morrow are just like my two favorite commentary and then honestly monster is real good too yeah well morrow number one and all uh, uh, morrow forever morrow, literally if anyone ever says morrow is not number one then i they're just not a wrestling fan his his commentary little side note he used to commentate for strike force yeah and he still commentates i think for bellator and some boxing promotions well yeah why oh, wouldn't you want he's even better there the guy's fantastic. The guy's like, the most talented he, commentator. He knows in- moves. He actually com- he calls matches. That's the thing. I don't think anyone calls matches anymore. They'll like, oh, they'll make this like comment about this move, but then they just like kind of go up and like gossip about the two wrestlers. He instead. calls a match. Maru, yeah, like yeah, he'll, he'll throw in like some Italian stereotypical things like Mamma Mia <laughs> here and there, but he actually calls like Sunset Pot. Like he actually calls moves and does commentary. I love him, and I think Mansoor could have potential there if they decide not to pursue him in wrestling but sure. i think that would be a very bad decision sure i think they need to keep him on nxt give him some more people like Dolph is great Dolph will help him uh you know like hone his craft learn some new moves because like that moonsault to finish it he i think almost hurt Dolph because he caught him with the legs and he got him like yeah. right good right in the, in the yeah yeah like, Maybe Dolph was off on his mark. Like, it could be either or. But, you know, working with veterans like him, I think Mansoor has huge potential. Yeah. Um. End of the match, Mansoor takes the pin. Talking about huge potential, uh, this next match was not huge potential. You just want to just, uh, should we I, Should we do anything before? It's literally going to take bit? two seconds to talk about this match. Uh, Brock Lesnar literally just ruins Ricochet. I wouldn't even say ruin. Ruins an understatement. So sure, murdered. What's the point of this match? I you know I thought maybe they were gonna have an AJ Brock match almost like you know no, I he knew they were his own I knew they were not gonna have they were I, I yes that's wishful thing but I knew they were not gonna have that but I could have never imagined they were gonna do what they did to Ricochet here yeah that was literally like they effectively treated him like a no name wrestler and gave Brock a squash match so here's what for everybody listening I'm gonna break it down all I need is four seconds uh Ricochet cut the promo for the match 
The pro- match was the promo was longer than the match. Ricochet ran at Brock. Brock chopped him down, and it was three minutes of Ricochet getting suplexed and thrown around. Took the cover. It's over. Brock retains. One of the worst matches I've ever seen for a guy that you would think is a huge part of not just Raw's future, like the entire company's future. Yeah. And they just have Ricochet fed to the wolves like that. It was like when Brock first showed back up and he like absolutely obliterated John Cena in that one match, like suplexed him 16 times and everyone was like baffled because that's never happened in the whole career of John Cena, which sure, you know, that was like monumental and it started, unfortunately, what we have now is Brock the champion for the upteenth time and never on anything. And the most work he yeah. ever put in was the Royal Rumble this year. And the, that's it. The only thing, the positive that I can take away from this match is that when Drew beats Brock at WrestleMania, it's going to make Drew look really, really strong. And Drew is going to get super, super over. More so than he already is. All I and know that's is, the only positive I can take from this. If, if they screw up and they keep Brock with the title after Mania, like, I, I, I just don't know if I even want to watch anymore. Because what they did to Ricochet was... I, I knew it was going to happen because they weren't going to have Ricochet versus Drew at WrestleMania. They should have, but I understand that they can't, like, give Ricochet the title and he literally lose it in two months. Yeah. But they really should have had, like, Survivor Series when AJ and Brock fought and had a good match. And a couple times, I really thought AJ was going to win. I was really hoping for that here. I really did not want them to do what they did, which was any momentum Ricochet had, like literal gone like he's what finn was on raw like finn just lost like what like 20 million times to bobby lashley and all these other people like him going to nxt best thing ever for him Uh, i want to like talk about it more but i actually i don't yeah brock brock retains in like literally eight seconds uh match was pointless i'm ready to move on ricochet literally he got to try a drop kick and brock swatted him like that i as soon as that happened zero offense from ricochet yeah zero offense i'll give him a no, half a point for no, trying to drop kick. But he there was zero offense from Ricochet. Yeah. So but it's a former US champion. Former US champion right there. Former uh North American champion. Yeah. As well. So And then the, also dominated on the indie scenes and held a bunch of other titles. But, you know, let's forget who he is and just throw him to Brock Lesnar. So Yeah, so would you uh shockingly Brock took the win here. Yeah. Next no, match. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Next match, Roman Reigns. Baron Corbin, for the <laughs> literal 900th time. In Ralph, the past two months. Ralph, was this just me? Because I don't want to say something on the podcast and be wrong. Was this the most boring match of all time? I was so bored watching this match. There was no action in this match. I am going to be honest with you. Uh, I definitely left you, the room. You didn't I went watch this, did you? <laughs> I, I like poked my head in, was like... Uh, I literally would rather have watched a 30-second highlight video on YouTube later that day because I felt they should have ended them at the Royal Rumble with their match. That should have just been the end of it. Instead, they've continued this rivalry over and over again, and it's just, why? Yeah, it like, was... Like, they really need those two to split and do something else, but it's like Which... they didn't know what to do, so they were like, let's just keep them fighting each other and put them in... Sure, they put on some fine matches, but... Since they're not getting as brutal as they used to be, like, back in the Attitude Era and, like, the Ruthless Aggression Era, like, they're really just kind of having the same match over and over, but with different stipulations. Like, oh, like, you can no holds barred, fight anywhere in the ring, steel cage match, and it's just still the same match. It all equates to just boring, yeah, mindless booking. Yeah, none of them have booking. big moves. 
Like they each no. have like a couple cool moves. Like uh, like Baron Corbin when he slides out of the ring, grabs around the uh, post, comes back in, close on him. Yeah, that's cool and everything. And he has a couple moves, but they both really don't have anything huge. Like they both can cut fine promos. I feel, but outside of that, I I'm not super excited by either of them. I know you like Roman. A lot of people I like, do Roman. like Roman. I do. I think he's finally. It was really John Cena who kicked his ass in that promo showdown, and that really Roll got like up. exactly. Roman realized if I want to be something, I, I need to do this. And I will admit he has gotten significantly better by, since then. But they keep putting him in just the weirdest storylines, yeah. the most unnecessary storylines. Well, they didn't know what. We'll get to it when we cover SmackDown. Really, because really they don't but... want to give him a title because yeah. everyone was complaining. Because I was, I well, will admit, yeah. I was one of those. That's exactly. They were just cramming him down our throats. He was the new John Cena, and I just there were so many other talents that I thought deserved it more than him, especially because they had all of it. They could do it in the ring and on the mic at the time. He couldn't. Now, you know, I'm not mad at him. I do like Roman. I just don't like him against Baron Corbin anymore. Well, hopefully this is the literal end of that feud. Uh, I'm pretty sure Roman won. If Baron won, who cares? Uh, no, nah, Roman got that one. Roman it was did. close. I actually thought they were going to give it to Baron, but then I was like, crap, if Baron wins, that but, means this feud is continuing. But who cares at the end of the day? It's over. Roman won. Who cares? Move on. One of the most boring matches I ever watched in my life. Yep. S- sorry, it is what it is. Um, Something, though, the next match, Bailey versus Naomi. Um, this first time. Second time. Second time for, for the, the women's title. match, but first time for the title. Uh, you know, really, one more thing, like, really glad to see this. This is actually, like, fantastic. Um, really, really glad that it was Bailey who got to do it. And Naomi, too. Yeah, I think Naomi's, Naomi's very well-deserved. Naomi's probably, like, one of the most talented wrestlers She's on this She's easily one of the most athletic superstars. I'm not even talking just women. Like, yeah, men's both. and women. The uh, Every time I watch Naomi wrestle, it's it's captivating. She's terrific. I feel people like her and Carmella have really gotten better since the beginning. Like, she was a Funkadactyl, just like Carmella was with Enzo and Big Cass. <laughs> and when they first started wrestling, I thought they were really mediocre. Then they gave Carmella the title, and I still thought she was mediocre. But then she was getting with all these bigger talents like Becky Lynch, even Charlotte. Like, all these women have come along so far yeah. that when they first started, I was like, you're trash. I don't want to watch you. Like... Just give me Paige, AJ Lee, Becky Lynch, like the people who can wrestle, and Bailey. But then, like, it's different now. They they really progress. Like, I actually enjoy watching Carmella matches because she's good in the ring now. She's athletic. Like, she was, was similar to Naomi. They were always athletic, but I never thought they were great in the ring. And they could cut fine promos, but other than that, it's like if you're not performing in the ring, you're just boring. Get out. Now I think they're both at the point like they even put on a great match on SmackDown for uh, I agree a week or two ago I agree. for I this that opportunity. Uh, I think they're both kind of being underused right now, but I think like the women's division in general, like if they're not involved in the main title, it's like nothing's going on, so it's just no one's being used. I think that's unfortunate, yeah. but it was a fine match. Like I enjoyed it for the most part. The most interesting point I want to make to this match is um, obviously because of of religious beliefs. Uh, the clothes that the women wear have to be a little different than what you're used to seeing them wear in, yep. in America. Completely here. covered. Now, what was great was Bailey actually used that, yep. used the attire to get the win. She uh, she hooked Bailey's legs and put her uh, She hooked Naomi's legs and took her foot yep. and put it into the shirt and was able to use that for uh, another uh, uh, slam into the into the mat and use that to get the cover. I thought that was actually like I thought that was brilliant. That was I, really really good. I'm curious booking. if that was something that maybe like. 
Lacey and uh, Natalia thought of like afterwards, maybe. or maybe like Naomi came up and was like, "Oh, what if we do this?" Like someone came up with that, and I thought that was a really brilliant thing. Like I thought Natalia and Lacey last time they put on a good technical match. It wasn't like super flashy, and I think they knew like, you know, let's just put on a good exactly like classic exactly. match, and I thought they did a great job. This one, you know, they got a little bit more brutal. They did some work, and. I, I thought it was good. I was curious if Naomi was going to walk away with it or Bailey. Like, I actually was not sure who they were going to do there, but I am happy Bailey walked away because I think having her with her heel and, like, cutting her promos right now, like, some of them are a little stale. Some of them are really good, but I think it's, like, kind of what they need because, like I said, SmackDown just doesn't have yeah. any heels. And uh, with Bailey being the biggest shock, probably one of the biggest shocks ever turning heel, but, you know, I think it was good. And, yeah, like I said, using the, like you said, using that shirt – I thought that was brilliant. When she hooked that in, I was like, I wonder if that was planned or she was just like on the spot was like, yeah. I'm going to do this. It was awesome. That was like, which a lot of people complain going to Saudi Arabia. There's, I, you know, we might not agree on a lot of their things, but I think they're really coming along. Like Absolutely. when the first show Absolutely. happened and they, they did a, they accidentally had women in the promotional. There was a huge fuss. Mm. Fast forward to the second one, you know, now they're like, there were women in the, uh, the crowd you now have two matches for females like i think they're really starting to finally progress and they're coming along because it is a business decision vince is a businessman he you know he needs money to run his business that's just how economics work so i don't blame him for taking this opportunity and going to saudi arabia and i just think it's great that they're using it now to their advantage like uh the last one uh ali donated all of his earnings to charity that's good yeah. Real good. Um, I think they're gonna go ahead though and continue this feud with Naomi and Bailey into WrestleMania. Probably. And I just hope it doesn't turn into like a triple. I'm so sick of triple threat matches for the title because I just feel like they overuse it. We'll see. And it could be. Carmelo, Carmelo will make her way in there. Possibly. Or Sasha makes her way in there in some awkward way. I I don't think so. I think they're gonna keep Sasha and Bailey working together. And then if honest, if anything, I think uh. They might set up, like, Bailey versus someone and then Sasha versus, like, Naomi or something and just put on a really good match because I honestly think Sasha's just better than Bailey. But the issue is she's very kind of prone to hurting people in real life. Yeah, I, I wonder, too, if, uh, you know, this run with Bailey is kind of still a continuation on what happened when Bailey and Sasha dropped the tag titles and Sasha... Took some time off. Oh, Bailey, she was not happy. Bailey continued to stay with the company, and Vince is rewarding. She made the best of it. Well, Vince is rewarding Bailey's loyalty. I mean, you got oh, for sure. That. But um, they, it also could be building up that there could be a big backstab coming, and those two will face each other at WrestleMania, and we'll they'll see. give Sasha the title after. Sure. Yeah, maybe they work things out because obviously she's doing good now. Like she's on the show regularly. Like other than when she got injured from Lacey and took some time off, but you know they both took a hit emotionally from losing the titles at WrestleMania. Just. Bailey kind of sucked it up and went to work yeah. the next day, whereas Sasha was like, but I also understand, like, if you don't plant your foot, like, you're just going to get buried. Like, look at Dolph. <laughs> he was phenomenal. He won the title as a heel, had one of the biggest pops, took out the authority, and now he's taking an L to Mansoor. Like, it's all part of the uh, circle of life within WWE. <laughs> um, Bailey retains the title, and that goes ahead and carries us into our main event of yeah. Super Showdown. Ralph! The Fiend is taking on Goldberg. You know What he, a match. You earlier in this episode said Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns was the most boring match you ever saw. I thought that match 
was better than what we're about to talk about. Uh, you're just saying that because the outcome was there, because there was no match. This was a two and a half minutes. <laughs> it was effectively Brock Lesnar and Ricochet redone with two other characters. So they square off. Fiend takes two spears. He kicks out at one on the first one. He kicks out at two on the second one. And then uh, he took like ten- four altogether. All together. Kicked out of all of them. There were a couple mandible claw attempts. Yep, that was his only offense. About three minutes in, uh, an awkward-looking jackhammer from Goldberg. Yep. One, two, three. Fiend is done. It wasn't. It was definitely not his best jackhammer. I'd like maybe Fiend's too big. Maybe Brock or, uh, Goldberg's starting to get <laughs> who, a little too old. Who cares if it's a jackhammer? The Fiend, who was built up to be this unbeatable force, who was arguably, according to the fans, the best thing going in WWE. Yep. You lose to one jackhammer from a ninety-year-old. At least he didn't lose on the first spear. Listen, like I like Goldberg. Everybody likes Goldberg, but nobody is happy with the no. Fiend. Losing to Goldberg within five minutes and taking one jackhammer to do it. No, no this one was happy with this. This is terrible booking. I, you know, I thought there was potential because they had him kick out of the first spirit one. He took a few more and he was kicking out. And I was like, okay, they're going to, and he was even getting those mandible claws in there. Like, you know, they're going to build this up and he's going to give him a jackhammer kick out. Sister Abigail retained the title. And I was, like, waiting for the kick out, especially because he very loosely, like, grabbed the Fiend's leg, like, and hooked it. I thought for sure the Fiend was kicking out, but then uh, instead we now have Goldberg as a two-time Universal Champion. If you want to find one positive here, and there's really none, it's when Goldberg was on the ropes, holding up the title, celebrating. The Fiend did stand up. And scream. And, yeah. Let out a nice good yell. I thought, honestly, maybe something was going to happen there, like... If he just, like, left Goldberg on the mat and then, like, disappeared, I would have been happy with that. Instead, they have him stand up, Goldberg acknowledge him, and then he just disappears. It, it just goes to show that The Fiend is still, in WWE's eyes, which, again, this is still not ideal. It just goes to show that The Fiend is still strong, being able to take a jackhammer. And then, even though he lost the title, he still is able to stand up a minute later from it and stare down Goldberg again. But it was just bad. It's just bad. Like, yeah, maybe they'll say something, which it does lead us into what happened on SmackDown. Yeah, let's go. Let's jump right into SmackDown. Um, Goldberg shows up, and exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. He was booed out of the ring. I people were yeah, not happy. It was awful. like it, it was like you you heard a couple Goldberg chants, but people were not happy. I think if he showed up without the title and just was being a person, people would have cheered him, been like, "Yeah, you have, you still have it." They would have been fine. But the fact that he walked in with the title, people were not happy. And you can see, like, they posted the video of, like, The Fiend kicking out, like, on WWE's Facebook page. And the comment section is just, what are you doing? And they were so mad. Like, you, and I would say one in every 1,000 comments, someone went, yeah, Goldberg has the title. That's not a good ratio. (laughs) If it's 50-50, sure. Because, you know, that's kind of what you want for everyone. You do want some people to hate them. Some people love them. But when it's like one in every thousand people are happy about it, that's... 50-year-old Mike from Michigan is happy about Goldberg getting the title back. Um, Goldberg comes out to a flurry of boos. Oh, yeah. Stands in the ring, kind of laughs and goes, it's not about who's last, it's about who's next. Cue Roman Reigns' music. Not shocking. Walks out, grabs a mic, goes right up to Goldberg and says, I'm next. And walks out. Which... 
there's how there's how you set up a WrestleMania match. You have one guy say a sentence, another guy come out and say two words, and now they're going to feud at WrestleMania. Like it's we knew this was going to happen. We knew Roman Reigns and Goldberg were going to go at it. We knew this was where WWE essentially wanted to go the minute Goldberg beat the Fiend. But 100% because <sighs> everyone knows um that they couldn't have Roman beat the Fiend. So instead they were like let's just have the fiend drop the title and then have roman beat that person but you know i do have hope that maybe something like uh, a fatal four-way might come about because uh, like something else that happened was john cena came out to try and effectively announce his like permanent retirement no, we're jumping a little ahead here because there's one other thing I want to talk about on SmackDown before we get to the ending. So. Yeah, but I really feel like these might... There's a possibility these could tie in together, which I would be okay with. All right, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Let's, if so. they somehow set up a fatal four-way match with, like, Roman Goldberg, John Cena, and Bray Wyatt, I think that could salvage this. Because, like, just... Maybe, yeah. Like, like I, was, I told you, uh, as soon as there was rumors of Bray facing uh, John Cena, I feel the only way that's a good match... Is if it's, if, especially if they want John Cena to win. Uh, if they have John Cena win, it needs to be like that old school I quit match he had with JBL. Like it was brutal. It, it was bloody. It was one of the best matches I ever watched for sure. And it needs to be like what uh, Seth and Bray did in Hell in a Cell. Like it needs to be something brutal like that. Like if John Cena wins without any sort of like help. And they do what they did with Goldberg. Like, they literally, I think, just ruined John Cena because everyone's going to hate him. Yeah, fair. But if they want him to break Ric Flair's record and not beat The Fiend, that's how you set it up is you put a Fatal 4-Way match on. But I don't think that's going to happen. We're just going to get those two and then Goldberg and Roman and... Uh, Spirit I, Fest 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how good it's going to be. Uh, it has a potential. I, I guess we'll I'll see. give it a small amount. Um, one other thing I do want to touch on. There are two other things because SmackDown overall was just kind of an episode of SmackDown. Um, I think it was understandable. Like mm, people were probably jet lag and tired, so they couldn't have too many people from Super Showdown like kind of show up. Well, here's one thing that we're going to talk about that's uh, super relevant. You and me were talking about it before we started recording. Uh, Miz and Morrison come out and cut a promo about them being the best and being champions. Who cares? Um, I care. Yeah, I know you care. Because it's true. We get a ref runs out to the ring announcer and just kind of like starts counting on his fingers a bunch of things. And they announce that Miz and Morrison are going to defend their tag team titles in the Elimination Chamber against in a six-man tag team match. And it's Miz Morrison, New Day, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, the Usos, and Dolphin Bobby. Robert Roode, sorry. Um, so they're upset about that. And the Usos music hits. So they have an impromptu tag team match, the Usos and Miz and Morrison. And what do you know, the first night that Miz and Morrison have won their championships, they take a clean loss to the Usos. It's kind of like the, the, the theme of the day here. What kind of booking is this? You just made these guys champion. They just won the tag team titles, and they come out and they just take a clean loss to the Usos. Like I some almost, champions, they are. I almost feel like they had to because then they wasted like uh, Naomi and Bailey fought again, 
and Naomi gets DQ or uh, Bailey gets DQ'd. So they were like, oh, we can't have two disqualifications in one night, like type thing. Because you know, if Miz and uh, Morrison lost because they were like, yo, we don't feel like doing this, and like they chair shot the Usos or do something dirty, you know, that'd have been great. Especially it's like showing like they're getting ready for Hell in the Cell that or Elimination Chamber that they just found out about, which obviously they already knew about, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have done some of it. Just having them lose, especially, like, I do love the Usos. I think they are one of the best tag teams that WWE has had possibly ever. I think the Usos are phenomenal on the mic. They've changed characters. They've been faced. They've been healed. They can do it all, I think. And I think they are super underrated, but that's because a lot of bad things happen behind the scenes, so they have to get punished, which that is reasonable. You should not do dumb things. Right. You should just be good. Right. Uh, so I think having them beat Miz and Morrison was fine. It just seems so weird, especially the day after they just won the titles and they just announced this like tag match. They're like, are we going to have a tag title match between now and elimination chamber and Miz and John are going to beat them after just losing to them. Uh, It's weird. The only other thing I wanted to point out, and I think it was during this match, we had that glitch happen again, the weird SmackDown glitch. Yep. Uh, we, a lot of people on Twitter, I think, cracked the code. Uh, it's Ali. Because the glitch this time was those multiple lights in a circle again, and it looked like a hand outline. Well, what does Ali wear? He wears the black gloves yep. with the light. It's, it's, if it's not Ali, I'd be shocked, but that was pretty much a dead giveaway. It's verbatim. I know I used that word incorrectly there. But it's basically just a neon, glitchy outline yeah, of they- Ali's hand. So... Do they have something huge planned for Ali? They like, could be setting him up for something. They could possibly uh, set him up to maybe somehow, like, uh, you know, we just found out there's going to be a 3v1 intercontinental match. It's going to be Sami Zayn finally returning to ring for the first time in Yeah, I thought that was weird. Months. I thought that was weird. The, yeah, the, the, whole... the 3v1 thing is just very weird. Like, like I, it, it was so... It? Is it going to be Shinsuke who gets the title? <coughs> well, the that's, like, that's the point. It's... None of them are going to get it. Braun's going to retain. But if he doesn't... Oh, then we can set up another... <laughs> well, you can set up Ali, because Ali can't beat Braun. Not in a million years. Like, no. Like, Ali's great. He could never take out Braun. Never. Well, uh, you're right. We'll have to see. I don't think that they have. I still think that's a weird booking there, but I think that's the only way they could set up Braun losing it and people kind of being okay. And maybe they give the title to Sammy and finally get him back in the ring. Was it a... Uh handicap match it's a three-on-one handicap match for the intercontinental championship so braun can just take the beating from the three of them and yeah it's a three-on-one or they bury all three of those superstars superstars in one match and have braun beat them because you know if you're gonna get three random people sure but braun should beat them but when you're putting up shinsuke nakamura cesaro and Sami Zayn, three very talented wrestlers especially cesaro who like he has always said, pound for pound, one yeah. of the best wrestlers. But he's super underrated. But here's the thing: the not like that. Those three, as much as it sucks because of how great Cesaro is, how much everyone loves Sammy, and how talented Shinsuke is, they're just mid carters. WWE just treated them like mid carters. Yeah, they they're, for the past. I'd like when was the several last time? Years. Several years. Sammy has always been treated like a mid carter. Other than when he feuded with KO and they put on phenomenal matches, and then when those two got together. It was some of the best stuff when KO was healed, Sammy was healed. Yeah, they, they did, fought Daniel they, Bryan they when he returned. Yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it was good, and they've just squashed it. Shinsuke, huge buildup, takes a loss to AJ, 
and then they just ruin all momentum he had. Cesaro had a lot going for him. They paired him with Sheamus. I thought that was a great tag team. It was what they needed. They both could cut promos and could just do everything you needed. But then, of course, Sheamus took some time off and... You know, Vince maybe made a little fat comment, but now Sheamus <laughs> is in one of probably the best shape he's been in yeah. since the beginning when he put on like one of the best first years for a superstar, like beating John Cena, winning the title. So we'll see what happens with him on SmackDown. But the whole Shinsuke, Cesaro, Sammy, it's either they're going to do a 3v1 beatdown, which can sell Braun losing, or they're just going to squash those three for the upteenth time. And Braun retains the title, which then, no idea who he faces at WrestleMania. Well, we're definitely going to have to see. Um, but go ahead and we'll, we'll get we'll get into the final segment here of SmackDown because it's the only other thing I feel worth talking about. Uh, John Cena makes his return. And uh, I love John Cena. Uh, I, I've always been a fan of John Cena. And a lot of people, I think you were one who's admitted that when John Cena isn't there in the WWE, there's, there's a little something missing. It's weird. You know, growing up, you, you know, I always thought to myself, you know, Batista, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Undertaker, yeah, all the these ruthless people, aggression guys. like all yeah. these people, like what would wrestle? Like I couldn't imagine wrestling without yeah. these guys because that's who I grew up with. And you know, slowly but surely, they've all one by one have left, and we finally transitioned to a whole new era. It, it is weird because John Cena was the one who kind of was the only one to stick with and help transition to yeah. this. So him moving out is weird. I never thought I'd see the day he'd retire, but. It, it that day comes for everyone well or so we thought so john cena comes out to the ring and gives a normal sort of john cena speech says all the john cena things to the crowd um kind of says it was definitely really interesting especially with what we saw with goldberg and the fiend the night before john cena says what's my path to wrestlemania what am i doing for wrestlemania this is reminiscent of a couple years ago when he did it on raw um everybody always wonders what's john cena doing for wrestlemania so he comes out and he says what am I doing for WrestleMania? And basically what John Cena says is he believes that slots should be earned and he believes in the future of the company. And therefore, because John Cena believes that much like the WWE universe does, he says that he doesn't feel he should be a part of WrestleMania and kind of gives sort of a, he says, I don't know when I'm going to be back after this, puts the mic down and walks off and we, I didn't fully I'm like did he retire did he not retire he goes to the he goes to the entrance ramp the top of the entrance ramp and he gives a salute and I'm like well they're really just gonna go ahead and they're just gonna send him off and did he just come back just to say he's pretty much retired and then the lights go out yep. and they come back on and who's over his shoulder the fiend Bray Wyatt and I was like thank god because I wasn't ready to just have a John Cena sort of retirement on a random Friday night in Especially February. after that huge build-up of like, oh, John Cena's returning, <laughs> yeah. John Cena's back. It would have the Friday, weirdest Friday. thing. Like, and for him to just show up and be like, okay, bye. Like, would have been weird. It, it would have been very awkward. Like, it would be one thing if he's just like, if they built up like, John Cena addresses his future in professional wrestling like, and do these kind of things that, you know, make it sound like, oh, he's possibly coming out to retire. Sure. Well, they definitely made it sound like he was going to come back and be like, it's WrestleMania season. Who am I fighting? Which I guess he did that just in a sad way. He did it in a good way. He did it in a good way because he's able to address the fact that he isn't the John Cena of a decade ago. And he knows no. he shouldn't be 
front and center anymore. But lo and behold, like we said, the Fiend comes out. And John Cena turns around, looks at the Fiend, and the Fiend just points at the WrestleMania sign. And John Cena looks at the WrestleMania sign, looks at him, and tips his hat. And the crowd is doing the yes chance to it. Um, I was a big fan of this segment. I thought it was actually a great way to get me invested without doing a whole lot of anything. The thing is, I would have been so invested, but now the title's not involved. And I just, I, it makes me sad because I think that it was a great <sighs> opportunity. You're just like, does the Fiend stay unstoppable and beat John Cena? Or is this how John Cena breaks the record and wins his 17th title to beat out Ric Flair? Like, that I think would have been an yes. insane buildup. But then I felt like they just... We'll see what happens. It still could be a great match. Well, here's the thing, because The Fiend is a character who doesn't need a title to make his matches and his storylines relevant. For sure. Like, those two, I think, will do something really good. It'll be great. But I still think just having that title involved, like, everyone would have been questioning, like, is this how The Fiend loses it? Like, especially, like, if there was a time for John Cena to break the record, like, if it was to go on to this gruesome match and he takes out The Fiend, like... Maybe I would have been mad. Maybe I wouldn't have been. It, I think it could have had huge potential. Instead, they were like, we'll just give him a regular match, and that way it's kind of irrelevant who wins and who loses, as long as they cut great promos from now to WrestleMania and put on a good match. We're definitely going to see. Um, Again, I think that they set up something that was the match that I think a lot of people are intrigued in. Like I said, you don't need a title for John Cena and The Fiend to be relevant and to be watchable. Um, no. What they're going to do between now... And five weeks from now when WrestleMania is, it remains to be seen. But we're definitely going to see what goes on there. And we're going to see what happens in the weeks ahead. Um, we're going to turn our attention real quick to NXT. And then I think we're going to go ahead and sign off. So, uh, Ralph, you had some things you want to talk about with yeah. NXT. Speaking of WrestleMania, like, they're starting to build up, I think, some real good potential for, you know, NXT TakeOver Tampa Bay. Sure. And Oh, yeah. Like, you're setting up, like, uh, Keith Lee is going to be facing someone you don't know who because... Cameron Grimes versus Dominic uh, Dijakovic. Everyone thought Dominic was going to win, get his match, because everyone literally wants Dominic and Keith to fight forever. I no, honestly, after, after TakeOver Portland, I was satisfied. That was an excellent conclusion to their feud. You know, I think it was, but then they came and they cut that promo, and Dominic was like, you know, he did the whole, like, if my back didn't come out, and then Keith hit him with the if this, if that, and then the ch- the, the crowd started chanting, fight forever. And those are the two type of dudes that I think I could watch them fight forever. So possibly setting up, like, honestly, like an Iron Man match, I think could be insane for those two. Like, not a 60-minute, like, do a 30-minute Iron Man match. Whoever gets the most, like, that could be insane for those two. Those dudes might actually kill each other in a 30-man. 30-minute Well, then they'll be fighting forever in the afterlife. But (laughs) at least I got that match. So I thought they were going to set it up, have him beat Cameron Grimes, which... Cameron Grimes, kind of underrated. I actually do kind of like him. I think he's very talented. Which, it was great. During the match, all you would hear is, uh, they were going back and forth chants of you were hearing, feast your eyes, and then other people saying, feel the grime. And I was just like, and you, it was loud and clear, and people were into Cameron Grimes. And, you know, I thought Dominic was going to get there. You see Cameron kind of distract the ref. And out of nowhere, Damian Priest comes out with uh, a baton and takes out Dominic's knee, to which Dominic, uh, you didn't think it was going to make it in the ring, gets in there at the 9.9 second mark, and Cameron Grimes just hit him with these insane double boots to the chest, beats Dominic. 
not clean, but it's setting up, I think, possibly Damien and Keith at, like, Tampa Bay or maybe a Fatal 4-Way or something because I think Cameron Grimes is underrated. He's probably going to fight Keith from now to then, and we're probably going to see Damien and Dominic by then. I'd be a lot more intrigued with Damien Priest and Keith Lee during TakeOver Weekend. I I love Damien Priest. I think he's cuts these really interesting promos like no one else. Like, he does something different, and then he's – just like Dominic and Keith, he's this big dude that can do some real good stuff in the ring. So I'll be curious to see what happens with them. And then leading into also Tampa, going to get Ciampa versus Gargano, except the roles are reverse and I Gargano's I, heel. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it because those Gargano with Ciampa matches of 2017-2018 were probably some of my favorite matches. Oh, for sure. Life. They're phenomenal. I still think at NXT TakeOver... They should have had Gargano hit, you know, Strong or someone with the title, toss the title to Ciampa, Ciampa hits Cole and takes the title. I thought that would have been great. Yeah. But no, I, they're they're going to run back see, Ciampa, yep, Gargano they, and Ciampa. And they're, they're pro- I think Ciampa and Gargano are the ones that are really selling it, doing the whole full circle, like, you know. Long-term storytelling. Which, yes. you know, I didn't think about it, but, you know, like, Finn goes and comes and, like, takes out Gargano, and, like, Ciampa doesn't, like, check on him, doesn't, like, help him. So I think, like, there's a potential for Gargano to be like, you know, this was happening to me and you did nothing. So, like, there's an angle there for him to go heal and be mad. Uh, So I'll be curious to see how, because he hasn't really talked since the moment. Whereas Ciampa has said some really good promos and it's just like, I love Ciampa. But then, like, speaking on Finn, he comes out, starts cutting yet again a great promo. I love Finn. And Imperium comes out. And Imperium comes out, they beat up Finn, because Finn's talking about whole, what's my next move? <laughs> Watch my next move. Everyone's well, there it is. Me. And then you hear Imperium, so they're going to set up, presumably, Walter versus Finn? I'd be all about Which, that. Which, yeah, like, it's a great match, that. but the awkward thing is, I feel like Finn, whoever he fights next, has to win. Continue this momentum. So do you give him the NXT UK title and he leaves? Like... Because he cut this huge promo, he's just like, NXT champion, did it. Universal champion, did it. United States champion, did it. Japan, did it. He even talked about it. He was like, Mexico, did it. And he's going through his resume. Of well, here's the done. thing. Can you, I mean, I know the answer is yes, but like, do you want to have Walter lose to Finn? That's the other thing. Like, they're I booking, don't... they're not booking Walter correctly. Like, I mean, Walter is a guy who could go tit for tat and bully Brock. Is how yeah. I view Walter. Is how every wrestling fan views Walter. Yeah. You know who doesn't view Walter that way? Vince McMahon. Which is why, like, maybe he got involved a little bit because Triple H should be the one doing the whole shebang in NXT. Vince should not really have much say. But that. Well, when it came to Survivor Series and Walter took that huge L yeah. immediately as he got tagged in, who did he take it to? I can't even remember. It, it was he came out and I think Drew, yeah, that was. Okay. That was weird. It was awful. And that's a Vince McMahon call. Yeah. Whereas Which, Triple H no, would have never done that. You know, they've done those like type of squashes at Survivor Series with kind of irrelevant people, but Walter's definitely not irrelevant. He's literally the NXT UK champion. He is far from being irrelevant. And I just, that one was weird. So it looks like, hopefully they set them up for not a title match. And like, they just kind of fight. Which then, I don't think, that. like, I'm fine with either one of them losing. But if the title's on the line, neither one of them should be losing that match. Unless they somehow set up Finn starting a 
club again and getting people to fight Imperium, but I don't know. That feels forced. Like, they didn't know what to do with Finn, and they didn't know what to do with Walter, so they were like, well, what if they fight each other? <laughs> and then Vince was like, brilliant! Yeah, right. You get a raise! And it's like, no, please, no. Just don't give us that match. Well, WrestleMania and TakeOver are five weeks away. we got a lot of exciting storylines going on in the NXT side. we still got a few weeks to see what will happen on the main roster side of things. I'm very excited to see what develops. Uh, I know you are, Ralph. We're going to go ahead and close out today's show with the trivia question. And I've got the trivia question today for Ralph. Are you ready, Ralph? Sure. What was John Cena's first title, and who did he beat to get it? I want to say... His first title was the United States Championship, that is and he beat the Big Show that at is WrestleMania co- 20. That is correct. That is my favorite pay-per-view Good of to all see time. it. How are you? He right, hit so- him with the brass knuckles, and little Ralph was like, Yay, John Cena! <laughs> what life! And and, and, I def- iconic match, yeah. as you look. Um, I, you know, I almost tripped up. I was going to say it was JBL, and then the spinner belt came about, and then I remembered, yep. no, WrestleMania 20 was John Cena's real big break because they gave him that title, and it started one of the greatest careers in wrestling. It definitely did. And Ralph, in episode one, gets a one nothing uh, head start in the scores on the trivia contest. Next week, he'll have a question for me, and I'm sure I'll tie it up because I know, I'm winning the I know, I know more than Ralph about wrestling. <laughs> but again, thank you guys so much for listening to episode one. I'm Paul. This is Ralph. Face the Heel podcast. See you next time.